You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. John for the soundtrack. Welcome back to Yankees Magazine podcast. I am Hillary Georgie. I'm joined again by John Schwartz, who you just heard, and Nathan Makaborski, who I think wants to dive right into Derek Cheater since he is on the cover of our May issue, and we are having a pretty special ceremony for him. So tell us about this Derek Cheater guy. Who is this guy? Should we know who he is? Well, if you like Derek Jeter, then the May issue is for you, I would say, because not only is he on the cover, which is a, um, a bit of a rarity. You know, we generally try and put a current player on the cover, but we figured Derek Jeter, you know, he's, he's the captain, and he deserves, to be, <laughs> he deserves to be on the May cover throughout the whole month. So in addition to the cover of the magazine that sold all month long, we will also have a special cover just on May 14th uh, to commemorate his number retirement and the dedication of the plaque in Monument Park that day. Should be a great day, a great ceremony. And then throughout the magazine, we have an assortment of Derek Jeter content, starting with the cover feature written by our editor-in-chief, Al Santasiri. During spring training, Al sat down with Derek for a lengthy interview at Derek's Tampa office. You know, they discussed uh, a lot of different things, and it's really interesting. Derek is... uh, Seems to be a bit more talkative now in retirement. So uh, he weighed in on a few different topics that I know Yankees fans are really going to be interested in. Um, Al began by sort of just getting Derek's thoughts on some of the legends in Monument Park, you know, from Babe Ruth to Joe DiMaggio to Mickey Mantle. Um, So I thought it was really interesting just to sort of hear, you know, it was almost like word association. You know, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear Babe Ruth? Uh, to hear Derek, Derek's thoughts on those guys. Uh, and those are questions that he would have so quickly deflected during his career. Right. He would I say, mean, oh, I'm not, I can't talk about that. I'm not in that company. But yeah. he is. He always has been. Well, he, and he always will be now. He's literally going to be next to these guys in Monument Park forever. So It's true. And all those times when you know reporters would try to get him to sort of put his career or his accomplishments in context while he was playing, he would say, you know, I'll think about those things after my playing days are over. Well, here we are. So mm-hmm. now he was kind of willing to entertain some of these questions. and But still, he was humble. He was, Oh, of course. Of course. He you know, didn't he, want to put himself in that category. Not at all. He, he you know, doesn't, doesn't think of himself in those terms, but, you know, still, um, you know, had a lot to say about essentially growing up in front of Yankees fans. I mean, he was so young when he got to New York. Uh, and played here so long for 20 seasons. So he talks about that and how much the fans meant to him. He talks about his family and what role they played in all his success. And, uh, you know, the fact that this ceremony is happening on May 14th, which is Mother's Day, is not a coincidence. That was his choice as a way um, to kind of just acknowledge how important his mother has been in his career and you know what she means to him so now we all have to step up our mother's day gift game yeah derek jeter another thing he ruined for us good luck with that one. thanks a lot derek (laughs) 
Derek Jeter created Derek Jeter Day, John. What did you do for me? Yeah. Um, you know, the number retirement is sort of a big deal, of course. Uh, you know, the last single digit going out. So uh, Al also asked Derek about that, and he shared some really funny stories, actually, about how he arrived at the number two uh, and how he nearly traded it in. was well, not his first choice. <laughs> so there's a, a lot of really uh, interesting stuff in that feature. That's called Permanent Marker. That's the cover story for the May issue. We also included a, a photo essay in this section. And the thought with this one, you know, with any photo essay that we do, we try and, you know, have a theme or tell some sort of story through the photos. And the thought with this one was to show how Derek Jeter being placed alongside all these greats in Monument Park is really nothing new. He's been rubbing shoulders with these guys throughout his career. So our senior photographer, Ariel Goldman Hecht, and I, we went through tons and tons of photos and just looked for as many great photos as we could find of him with Yogi Berra, with Willie Randolph, with Joe Torre, all the guys who are already enshrined out there. Uh, there's just, there were so many great ones to choose from. And, How much uh, fun was that going through those archives and looking at all that stuff from his career? Oh, totally. And especially since there's so many guys from recent memory that were his contemporaries that he played alongside. So, you know, we could go through the action shots of him with Bernie and Paul O'Neill and guys like that. Um, but then also, you know, some really um, poignant ones of him, uh, you know, shaking hands with Phil Rizzuto after Scooter threw out a ceremonial first pitch during the 1998 playoffs. Uh, you know, Jeter, um, you know, kind of, kind of having a, a warm embrace with Rachel Robinson uh, during one of the Jackie Robinson Day ceremonies. So all different people who have ties to Monument Park, showing them along uh, alongside Jeter, uh, that was a pretty fun one to work on and one that I think uh, fans will really enjoy going through. Yeah, Nate, you've been covering Jeter for a long time since you've been working here. It must be hard to come up with different ways to cover him. And I think we did a good job of that in this issue, especially. Yeah, you know, when it was uh, in 2014 and we were getting to, to the end of his career, we wanted to do something really special then. So we worked on a whole commemorative issue just dedicated to Derek, um, which was over 200 pages from youth literally like sitting down with his parents and having them talk about him growing up and them sharing photos of him in Little League all the way up through his final games in pinstripes. So, you know, that issue, we covered so much stuff there and we sat down to talk about this May issue and said, okay, well, what are we going to do that hasn't already been done, that we haven't already touched? So I think Al's feature really, you know, is unique. A, a lot of just what Derek is was willing to share and willing to talk about makes that a pretty special piece. I think one thing that's very clear is that if you look at the Times recently, back in 2014, when Jeter was on the cover, those books uh, sold. Mm -hmm. So if you're here on May 14th, I would tell you, go early and buy uh, that special commemorative program from that date. The last time in season he was on the cover, we had our biggest uh, sales night of Yankees magazine ever. We sold out. That's going to be an awesome collector's item. It's a really stunning cover, which I recommend you get. But certainly all month, you can get a special cover with Derek Jeter. And I will say the Derek Jeter, the Derek Jeter commemorative edition that we did will be on sale. Mm -hmm. Make sure you check that out. That's absolutely the best resource for the entirety of Derek Jeter's career you're ever going to find. I recommend you check that out at all Yankees uh, team stores when you're here. Yep. 
Or, of course, you can go to yankees.com slash publications. We've got our uh, revamped website up and running, so you can order any of our publications from there, or you can also call 1-800-GO-YANKS. Yeah, and we got stories up on yankees.com slash magazine from the commemorative from May, from all all different months, so you can find plenty of Jeter content, plenty of other content. We, we're stuffed with content. If you don't read enough about Derek Jeter this month, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> really, get your life together. Um, but get to the stadium, get there early, get, get your program, get your commemorative. Bring your mother. Check it out, guys. It's going to be really cool. Coming up on the podcast, we have a really funny interview with one of our Yankee Stadium employees, Valerie Shields. And I'm not just saying that because I did the interview. It's really good, and you're going to want to listen to it. It's phenomenal. And then we have a story about Dellen Matanzas. Nathan wrote about Dellen in the May issue of the magazine, so we have a fun little segment about that. Stick around. It's going to be a good one. I dare you to go into Yankee Stadium and find a happier person than Valerie Shields. Go ahead. I'll wait. Can't do it, can you? Val loves life, and she really loves baseball. Fourth grade, my classmates, everyone was very into, like, the Yankees, and, you know, it was when they were getting really successful, and... I just had such great memories with it that I wanted other people to have those memories. As the senior manager for strategic business ventures here at the stadium, Val's job entails everything from coming up with ticket offers to sending out email newsletters to fans. And she's really, really good at it. Val took a bit of a roundabout journey to get to the Yankees, but for her, being around the game is a dream come true. And I joke with my husband all the time, like, I get to be here. I get to go to the Yankees game. I get to be at Yankee Stadium. Val is committed to making everything as much fun as possible, and she quite literally put her name on the line to prove it. Just wait. You'll see what I mean. Here's some of the conversation Val and I had right before the Yankees returned for their second homestand. My title is Senior Manager, Strategic Business Ventures. Off to a good start already. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Got it. So when did you start with the Yankees? I started with the Yankees in February of 2010. And in what position then? I was hired then as an account executive. We actually didn't have a full-time sales staff at that point. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so I came in and I was managing accounts and selling season tickets. But I was also kind of doing some of the mass communication and the Yankees.com stuff that I do today. I had worked for the Tampa Bay Rays, so I was there for four seasons um, and was doing that sort of role there. Did so. you grow up in Tampa? Where did you grow up? North Jersey. North, nice. Patterson. <laughs> so how did you find yourself in Tampa? I always knew I wanted to work in baseball. So when I was in college, I did two minor league baseball internships. And then a month before I graduated, I got an inside sales job with the then- devil rays right and i moved to florida oh, cool. for the job yeah what was that like it was crazy it was <laughs> crazy because it was a part-time job you know and i didn't know anyone in florida right you didn't know how long you were going to be there or, or if you were going to get hired full-time but it was totally worth it 
And so how long were you in Florida total? I was there four seasons. Four seasons. So, and then you got the job here and that's why you moved? Or how did you wind up here? I quit my job without having a job. (laughs) Okay, great. everyone says don't do. (laughs) This is actually a fun story. So in 2008, when the Rays went to the postseason, you know how when a team goes to the postseason, Major League Baseball comes down and kind of, not takes over, but But helps. does their thing, yeah. Yeah. So the Rays had never been there before. The um, VP of Communications, Rick Vaughn, called me and said, hey, you know, we're going to have a lot of media in the building who have never been here. We need some help just directing people and doing press notes. I know that's not your job, but would you be willing to help? And I said, oh, absolutely. No problem. So I was sitting outside the press box for the whole postseason for like pretty cool eight hours a day. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, oh, that's where you get the box lunches. And here's the game notes. And I met a woman, you know, Phyllis Marriage. Yeah. Okay, so I met Phyllis. Mm -hmm. I always say she's like the fairy godmother of Major League (laughs) Baseball. So when I quit my job, I quit my job September 2009, and I moved back home in with my mom. Thanks, mom. (laughs) And Phyllis said, I know you're not working, but if the Yankees make it to the ALCS, can you come help do media credentials? We can't pay you, but, you know, it's something to do. And I said, absolutely, of course, I'd love to do that. So, of course, the Yankees went to the ALCS and then the World Series. And during the World Series, we were handing out the credentials from Windows 1 and 2 in the right. box office. And that's where I met my now boss, Kevin Dart. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, who is that guy? And, and someone <laughs> told me. And I went in and I introduced myself. And made a fabulous it was impression. Just, <laughs> it was just good timing. But I always tell people if I didn't help, like if I didn't say yes to helping in 2008, I would have never met Phyllis. And then if I didn't quit my job without having a job, I wouldn't have been here in 2009. Right. So it was all kind of serendipitous. It was. It was. So why did you want to go into baseball in the first place? You said you always knew. Why? It's funny. Like, I grew up with boys, right? So I have a brother and my cousins were boys, and we all grew up together. And when you're a little kid, like, the only way they would play with you is if you had baseball cards to trade. I have brothers, too. Yeah. (laughs) So that's how I got into it. And I just fell in love um, from, like, an early age. I remember in fourth grade, my classmates, everyone was very into, like, the Yankees. And, you know, it was when – they were getting really successful and I just had such great memories with it that I wanted other people to have those memories so I just very early on said oh I want to work in baseball which was cool no one ever sat me down and said what do you want to do in baseball but it worked out so take me through a normal day here at the stadium for you what is is there even a normal day there's never a normal day I always tell people so this is my eighth season I'm never bored (laughs) sometimes I get frustrated but I'm never never bored. bored ever which is amazing kind of I think yeah. yeah the days fly by you know you look up and you're like oh my gosh how's it four o'clock already <laughs> like I I could have you know work for three more hours right. and a lot of what I do has to do with like yankees.com and the communication we send out through there so I never want to be the person to hold something up so if there's an email that's going out that day that has to be proofread or an email that needs to go out the next day that we haven't submitted content for I usually try to bang those things out first right and then it's – I tell people it's a circus and I'm a producer at the circus. <laughs> then it's whatever else comes about. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of the individual game ticket offers. Okay. So it's creating those and submitting them to Ticketmaster or if they've come back, checking them and that sort of thing. What is the best part of the job here? I love game days. You know, people – will say oh you must be so upset the season's about to start and I say absolutely not that's why I I work here that's my favorite part of the year I think John Gordon he's like a motivational speaker he said something once where it's not like you have to do this you get to do this right and I joke with my husband all the time like I get 
to be here. I get to go to the Yankees game. I get to be at, at Yankee Stadium. Um, so that's definitely the, the best part. And I love walking around. And like I said, like as a kid, I just fell in love with this. And you can't turn everyone onto baseball or everyone onto the Yankees. But if like each day we can just win one person over, I feel like it was a successful day. So you liked the Yankees growing up. Did you play sports? I was a tap dancer. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into this. <laughs> no, no, no. How long were you a tap dancer? Oh, gosh. Like, from three through high school. Really? Yeah, through all high school, yeah. Do you still tap? No, but I would. Really? Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's interested, I would pick it up. Oh, I was a wedding dancer. Were you really? Yes. No, stop. Yes. One summer in college, when I came home, that's that was my summer job okay so I would get paid to go to weddings and dance like a motivational dancer what? and bar mitzvahs what I is did. a motivational dancer? I think it's very North Jersey so when people <laughs> I don't know if they even still do it but when people would book like their DJs you, the DJ would say like well do you want do you want dancers for your party and right if they said yes we would go to the wedding and then they'd say okay go get like the best man and you'd bring the best man up and start dancing with them you'd lead the electric slide you'd hand out the maracas oh my god so you like encouraged people to yeah like, get okay mm-hmm. that's very fitting i can see you being perfect <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> what's life like outside of the stadium these days for you it's great i have a baby you know josephine <laughs> oh she's gosh. the love of my life how old is she now? She'll be two in June, oh which I can't believe. The two-year-old home, my husband, Bennett, which is actually funny, bring it totally full circle. <laughs> I met Bennett and got offered my job with the Yankees on the same day. Wait, really? Yes, and the person who set us up was Phyllis's assistant, Angie. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it really was serendipity. It was. It was. That's crazy. So he works for Major League Baseball for okay. the commissioner's office. So I always say it's, like, so helpful to have like this job is very demanding and Mm -hmm. it's so helpful to have someone at home who completely understands that and is supportive of it you know he's never like when are you coming home like he just gets it and it makes it makes doing this so much more easy what's something about you that not many people would know this is my eighth season like pretty early on Phil Hughes was pitching, and it was a weekday day game. So I made a comment, you know, what happens if Phil Hughes pitches a perfect game today? Wouldn't that be crazy? Because <laughs> weird things happen, I think, on weekday day yes. games when, when you least expect it, expect it. And it turned into this thing, the Phil Hughes perfect game pledge. <laughs> do you know this story? No. This is, not many people do. It's so ridiculous. I can't believe I'm telling you this. <laughs> so... You know, first it was just people in my office. He would pitch, you know, we'd see starting at home and say, all right, it's the Phil Hughes perfect game pledge. What are you going to do if Phil Hughes pitches a perfect game today? You know, and, and we would go around. And people would say ridiculous things like, I'm going to get a Phil Hughes tattoo on my back <laughs> or I'm going to shave my eyebrows or uh-huh. just like insane things. Right. And then it caught on and like, you know, Phil Hughes would be pitching. I'd get a call from someone in PR. <laughs> so you, like people started hearing about this. Yeah. Right. So it never happened, um, but it was exciting. It of was course, exciting. it's something to get you excited. Yeah. So Derek Jeter's last home game. It was early on in the game, and I said, "Oh my gosh, wouldn't it be crazy if he walked off? <laughs> if Derek Jeter walks off, what what would you do?" I had just gotten married, and I was taking off the next day because that was our last home game, and I was going to Social Security to legally change my last name. Right. So I said, if De- and I never had a middle name. Uh-huh. So my maiden name was Valerie Fava. That was it. Okay. So I said, if Derek Jeter walks off, I'm going to change my middle name to Jeter. 
like again never thinking this would happen (laughs) so all of a sudden like we know how this story ends and i'm sitting there and my mom was at the game and i you know it's going into that bottom of that inning and i was like oh my gosh mom (laughs) i made this pledge that if Derek Jeter walks off. I'm going to change my middle name to Jeter. She's like, you're out of your mind. <laughs> oh, my God. And then, sure enough, it happened. Did you really? I did it. So you have the middle name Jeter. So I went down the next day, and my husband was not happy. He's like, I cannot believe you're going to do this. I was like, I have to do it. This is my game. Right. If I don't do it, the game dies. Exactly. Like, no one will you ever gotta play. you got to hold it up. Yeah, so I walked up to the woman, and I said, can I ask you something? You know, how does it work with changing your middle name? And she's like, well, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, because here's the deal. And I told her, and apparently she was a huge Yankees fan. She's like, that's amazing. And before I could oh even gosh. take it back, she made my middle name Fava hyphen Jeter. Jeter. So it's Valerie Fava Jeter, Jeter Shields. Shields. <laughs> and I still don't know if I'm, like, proud of it or <laughs> horrified. Is that still legally it's your name? still. That's amazing. And then I got pregnant with my daughter, and I would mm-hmm. go to doctor's appointments, and they'd be like, Favre, Jeter. I'm like, oh, it's a family name. Like, it was it's, it was crazy. But I was like, I, I have to do it. Right. Right? Like, what were the chances? Oh, my God. That's so, the best thing I've ever heard. Last question. What are you excited about this season? I get excited every season. I'm convinced the Yankees are winning the World Series every year. Yeah. I think – I really do think the stadium has a different vibe. Just walking around, like, people just seem really excited. Um, And I don't know if some of that is kind of the new social gathering spots. I just think it's just really exciting to be here. And I'm going to screw up the the line, but Brian Cashman, I heard him basically saying, like, on any given night, something amazing could happen, something great can happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so true, and I just think we're set up for a lot of that this season. All right, Val, thank you so much. That was so easy, right? Love the podcast. Everyone subscribe. (laughs) Thanks, Val. You're hearing the sounds of young baseball players at a training facility in Bonao, a mid-sized city of about 130,000 in the middle of the Dominican Republic. Earlier this year, Yankees reliever Dellen Batances visited the academy there to donate baseball equipment and speak to the kids there. It was a really amazing experience seeing the looks on these kids' faces while Dellen hooked them up with some really top-of-the-line baseball gear. And it meant a great deal to him, too, to be able to do this for them. Yeah, I was definitely happy. Uh, you know, I felt like, uh, uh, you know, any time you get to give back in any way, and, you know, just the reaction of the kids, uh, you know, I think that's what I got the most out of. But to really get a feel for why this day was so important and why it meant so much to Dellen, you have to go back to a game at Yankee Stadium that happened all the way back at the end of the 2013 season. The date was September 26th, and anybody who was in the stadium that night will never forget it. And the attendance, and it is a complete sellout, 48,675, and they're here for one reason. And they've started the Mariano chant already. The great Mariano Rivera was expected to make the final appearance of his illustrious career that night. And although there was a game taking place on the field featuring the Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays, almost everyone's attention as it got to the eighth inning was on the Yankees' bullpen out in right field. Well, Joe Girardi makes the call to the bullpen, brought to you by AT&T, but no, no, it's not Mo. As we go to the eighth inning, it is Dellen Betances. Betances drew the somewhat unenviable task of preceding Mariano into that game. 
At that point, Batances was at something of a crossroads in his career. He had been drafted by the Yankees in the eighth round out of Grand Street Campus High School in Brooklyn in 2006, but the native New Yorker hadn't panned out as a starting pitcher. Standing six foot eight, Batances struggled to find a consistent delivery that yielded results. The Yankees sent him to the Arizona Fall League after the 2012 season to try converting him to a reliever, and he found some success out of the bullpen in AAA in 2013. But in his four big league appearances that season prior to Mariano's final game, Batances had allowed four earned runs in two and a third innings, and opponents were batting 462 off him. Yeah, he's had options, so the Yankees got to make a decision on him. Yep. Either makes the team next year, or if they send him down, they can lose him. The results this night were no better. A single, a strikeout, and a double put runners on second and third with one out for Evan Longoria. Now, Batanzas will deal 3-1. Swung on, hit on the ground, up the middle. There's a base hit to center field. One run scores. Loney around third. He scores. It is a two-run base hit for Longoria. And the Rays take a 4-0 lead. Joe Girardi let Batances face one more batter, but after he walked David DeJesus, the crowd got its wish. Batances is going to depart. And it looks like it's going to be Mo. Greatness coming into the Yankee game for the final time here in the Bronx. Number 42, Mariano Rivera. Number 42. There was one person in the crowd that night, however, who wasn't focused solely on number 42. In fact, he couldn't take his eyes off the tall right-hander with the terrible mechanics wearing number 61, who was approaching 100 miles per hour on the radar gun. This man had never heard of Dellen Batances, but he was certain that he could help him. Sitting in the backyard of his home in Bonau this past February, Fausto Chiqui Mejia recalled his first impressions of Dellen Batances. When I saw him pitch, I saw this gigantic and clumsy guy who could not throw a strike. They had to bring in Mariano right away. Then I told my friend, life is so unfair. Look at that huge guy. He has so much talent, but he does not have anyone to help him. As it turned out, fate had intervened that night at Yankee Stadium. While Mariano Rivera made a tearful exit after Derek Jeter and Andy Pettit's mound visit, Mejia learned that one of the friends he had been watching the game with happened to be friends with one of Batances' older brothers. A connection was made, and that winter, Mejia met with Batances at a Brooklyn restaurant. He invited the reliever to Banal to train, and Batances, whose family emigrated to New York from Santiago in the Dominican Republic, agreed. We went out to eat lunch and we spoke for like an hour. And from there I was like, you know what, I'm just go out there and then give it a go. Mejia worked closely with Batances at the academy prior to the 2014 season, and the rest you can pretty much say is history. Batances made the Yankees opening day roster that year, and he's been lights out pretty much ever since. Dylan Batances making the all-star team for the third straight year. And so this past off season, Batances decided he wanted to do something to give back. He worked with Pitch In for Baseball, 
which is a nonprofit that collects and distributes baseball and softball equipment to kids who need it most. And he leveraged some of the sponsorship deals he's been able to garner to outfit the kids in Banau with, like I said before, some really great stuff. He brought Wilson gloves and New Era caps, Nike cleats. I saw catcher's gear and equipment bags and aluminum bats being handed out. And the reactions of the kids were, were just priceless. Um, I, I spoke afterward to pitch in for baseball's COO, Meredith Kim, who does these sort of donation events all the time, and even she was pretty blown away. I have to say, out of all of the distributions I've done, this has been truly the most rewarding one. Um, the, there was a level of, you could see it, like gratitude and appreciation from these kids that I'm not, and I'm not saying that um, other kids don't appreciate it, but it was just so much more... Palpable. I could feel it. So what started out as just a story about a community event turned into something much larger. I think readers who pick up the May magazine will learn a lot about Dylan Batances and what he's all about. They'll understand why the Dominican Republic holds such a special place in his heart. And they'll hopefully be touched as I was when they see some of the photos that our photographer Jim Petrozello captured of the kids at the academy who were just so grateful for this gesture. So the story is called The Connection, and it appears in the May issue of Yankees Magazine. Thanks so much again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Give us a nice rating. That'd be cool. Uh, you can email us, podcast at yankees.com. Follow us on social media. We're at Yanks Magazine. And yeah get in touch we'd love to hear from you thanks so much check out the magazine when you're at the stadium grab your program grab your commemorative have a good time enjoy cheater day everybody bye